0: Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn.
1: And I'm Chris Noble.
0: And we are so excited to have Alex Thompson, Vice President of Brand Stewardship and Impact from REI with us today. I am just jumping out of my skin for this conversation. REI is the absolute most perfect example of a community and how that community has purpose at the center, and how they have activated their members, their employees. They are so purposeful. And Alex is just going to give us so much background. So Alex, why don't you just start and tell us a little bit about your background. And also, you have this fabulous title. So how those two interact as well.
2: Thanks, Carol. It's good to talk to you. You know, Carol, I I began my career in in the UK. I've um, moved around and worked in two or three different parts of the world, in Asia, in the U.S. Now, um, I started my, what I consider to be my career in voluntary work in, um, in Zimbabwe, focusing on HIV AIDS. But, um, you know, I've been in the role now for about four years here at REI and Brand Stewardship and Impact as a group of um, skill sets is the way I describe it. It's focused on the long-range health of the outdoors and the the outdoor community. So we look after government affairs, communications, internally, externally, employee engagement work, um, our philanthropy, and importantly, our sustainability, both operational and product-focused. And our remit really is to ensure that the co-op is thriving and the co-op community is thriving and that we leave the outdoors better than we found it.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. You talked about the focus of the company, that there are four major pillars. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Sure. I'll assume that not everybody is a member of REI. So, Recreational Equipment Inc. was uh, founded in 1938 here in um, the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, in sort of really reaching distance of three beautiful national parks. And it was founded by a husband and wife, uh, Mary and Lloyd Anderson. And they started the co-op with 23 friends. And as we find ourselves 80 years later, continuing to work in this pretty amazing organization, one of the things that's different is we focus on four measures of success at the most senior level of the organization. And we focus on employee, member, society, and business in that sequence. So the core business of the co-op exists to drive uh, the other three. And that means that three quarters of our measures of of success are focused on people and place. And I think that gives you permission to think really differently about the role of an organization in today's society.
0: There are about 17 million members. I'm surprised there aren't 50 million members considering all the benefits that you provide. Can you talk a little bit about your membership and also how that's given you a long-term view?
2: Sure. The membership base is comprised of people who have purchased a membership and to do the really straightforward detail if you come into an REI or if you log on to REI you can buy a membership membership is $20 and it lasts a lifetime so you don't have to pay again and that obviously gets you a bunch of cool stuff and discounts and all the type of things that you might expect but importantly it makes you an equal owner of the co-op so every single member owns the same amount as anyone else and. Um, and and that's that gives you permission to think about the community very differently. Um, the community is, as you would expect, extremely diverse. The young, old, um, men, women—it's a really rich community of people, all of whom love the outdoors. I will say that to your point on shouldn't it be fifty million? Shouldn't it be more? I might just come back at that and talk about something that um, gets me uh, really motivated and the rest of our Um, organization here motivated. It isn't just given that people love being outdoors, breathing fresh air. The best participation data that we have, and it's a very robust survey that looks at about 30,000 people a year, indicates that around 50% of people in the US um, are not going outdoors even once a year uh, to do uh, any outdoor recreation at all. And, um, you know, if 150 million people aren't going outdoors once a year, that gives you something to think about. Why is that? What can we do about it? Um, and how can the co-op continue to create access to something that's good for your health, it's good for your mind. And frankly, it's good, we think, for communities and society more broadly.
0: Let's shift a bit to um, some of the, the things that make you so excited about what you're doing, Alex which is Opt Outside. And I'd love to um, just quote, I think it's your, your your chief creative officer. And he talked about that you wanted to start a movement. You know, in the work that you do and I do and Chris does, I think if I got a dollar for every time um, a potential client came to us and said, we want to start a movement, um, we'd be rich. Um, it's not easy to do. So I'd love for you to talk about um, the genesis of Opt Outside.
2: You know, Opt Outside, for those who are not familiar, it was the decision to shut down all of our retail stores and to put a black screen across our website on Black Friday, the biggest retail day in the year um, for most companies, and instead to pay 12,000 employees to go outside, and be with family and friends. And um, and that really was the, the nut of the idea. We. Um, also took the step once we'd chosen to do this for employees to invite the country to come with us. And um, frankly, it went beyond the borders of the U.S. In, and it hit us like a like a ton of bricks, really, the response in a positive way. Actually, I don't know if a ton of bricks hitting you can be good. But regardless,
0: the, in <laughs> the first okay, man, year, about one and a half million impact. people. Right. <laughs> right, you're tr- There's the impact answer.
2: Exactly. I've dropped a few bricks on my feet in, in the process. But anyway, the um, about one and a half million people joined in year one. In year two, that number quadrupled to about 6 million. Last year, about 8 million people put their hand up and said they'd be part of it. So we think somewhere north of 15 million people have taken part in Opt Outside. Um, Around 700 organizations, companies, nonprofits, large, small, all over the country have uh, taken part in Opt Outside so far. State parks opening their gates for free, um, local Parks, all sorts of organizations embracing the idea. And I think that's the thing that I, I want to emphasize that, you know, in the it, it, Opt Outside did receive um, from the marketing, communications, and brand community, uh, pl- you know, plaudits for its ability to mobilize a community. Um, but the thing that I uh, push back on the most is when people ask me about Opt Outside as a social media campaign. And that could not be further away the intent of the idea uh, when we launched the the behind the scenes story that that I haven't told that much is that you know right before in fact the night of opt outside when we launched I was really really nervous as you can imagine um, we're about to fly to the US uh, to the um, to to New York to go and do media and I chatted with Jerry our CEO and I was concerned that we had not put uh, benchmarking metrics in place you know. How are we going to prove its success? I was concerned that we didn't have a thorough enough pre and post. And, and I chatted with him and he just said, look, you're missing the point. <laughs> and I was like, oh dear, you know, this is my first year of working with the CEO. That's not good. And um, he's like, the reason we're doing this is it's, it's for the employees. If, if we do this and our employees respond by understanding what we stand for as a co-op nearly 80 years into our life and and they respond well. We will have achieved our goal. Everything else is icing on the cake. And I don't want you to put any metrics in place pre or post. That is not the point. So um, importantly, for Opt Outside, no business metrics were put in place. No, certainly no sales metrics. No, you know, aver- you know, a- a- advertising value metric. None of that. And the reason I'm most proud of Opt Outside is not for the communications and the brand work that was done, but it's, it's seeing the response from employees, many of whom had spent 20 years without a Black Friday off. And when you are exposed to the outpouring of love and appreciation when that happens, um, it, it it really is a reminder of uh, the responsibilities that we have to do things that aren't just good for the brand of an organization, but fundamentally get to
1: people's needs. I think that's fantastic. And actually, I so I'm an REI member and I, I see what you're talking about when i I visit the store here in New York, or when I make my quarterly pilgrimage to the uh, to the l a store, which I, I, every time I find myself in l a walking around Santa Monica, I wind up in that in that store. And, and when I talk to employees in that store, what you're saying really comes through, right? they're They're very knowledgeable about the equipment, of course, but they all have their own passions. They all, can tell you what's going on um, during the weekend. It's a it's a very uh, it's an environment that really encourages outside exploration. Um, so you know, just super well done taking something from the heart of the culture uh, that a husband and wife team founded and bringing it all the way and getting twelve thousand employees to 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 have some reflection of that Be- beyond the employees. When you're talking about the board and the other executives. And you talk about that nervousness the night before. What was the what was the board response, and what was the sort of more business response when you guys were first contemplating the idea of Opt Outside?
2: It's a really good question. And by the way, that Lafayette store was my first REI as
1: well, and I love it. Uh, isn't it great? I love the open space. Yeah. Every REI has such. It it makes you want to climb the walls. It really does.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's awesome, and it's kind of a haven in that cross section in in Manhattan. Very, very good espresso <laughs> store over the road. But the, um,
1: <laughs> the I've been there, the Columbia, the Colombiana. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know exactly where I'm talking. <laughs> I about. I really do. And, um, so I, I, I was lucky enough to be in the room when the board first was um, pitched, uh, opt outside, and I mean, stunned silence was the response. Um, I saw I saw some jaws physically drop, and at least one or two expletives emerged, and it was kind of funny and. The, um, but very very quickly, once the once the shock and the shock of sort of the idea of foregoing all of that revenue, and in fact not just foregoing the revenue but paying the salary at that you know for the day off, had been absorbed, the board just said, "Look, you know this is this is spot on. This is exactly what we've been talking about. REI's values have always been um, very very strong. We have always acted with our values, but REI has not always done a very good job of." helping people as the community has grown as we've gone to 17 million members and we're no longer you know just a handful of thousands um, receiving a catalog um, which is really kind of what the co-op was for many years Um, we haven't been as good at inviting people to join in and helping them understand where the thinking comes from so uh, the board was uh, remarkably supportive and part of the reason for that is the board of directors is elected from within the membership base and To a person, while many of them are very, very experienced business people themselves, uh, they have a deep love for the outdoors. And it's not difficult to say to somebody, um, you know, what do you think about the day after Thanksgiving, allowing family and friends to be with one another rather than being in the store? And how do you feel about not inviting people to um, get away from their family and friends and instead to come to a store and, and and. the, the, I do that was terribly coherent, but you get the idea. And they they understand deeply, and they think this is the right thing to do. And um, and frankly, the, the governance structure of the co-op, so we don't have shares, we don't report quarterly, and we're able to act in the long-range interests of the outdoors, does give us permission, unlike some organizations, to make a move like that. Um, but some of this is post-rationalization, uh, frankly, Chris, because you never know how this is going to roll. Um, and we we're just fortunate that the, that the community responded well and understood that the intent behind opt outside was, was, a, it was, it was, it was done, done for the right reasons in my view.
0: Did you have to continue to, to sell it in? I mean, did they say interesting? Did you have to give them the numbers that this is the cost of the 12,000 employees salaries? This is what the potential loss of income will be. Did you have to have multiple meetings or it was like, you know what did they say in terms of they say like yes go do it
2: well you know i'm only one person you know who was part of the process and of course our ceo um was a, a very strong advocate and took full accountability our chief creative officer ben Steele was um you know the, the principal once we had once we had surfaced the idea was the principal architect of um, um of the various groups that came together to build it but but, uh, you know, certainly there were follow on discussions and certainly once we moved from, we think, in, we think directionally this is the right thing for us to do. to Here's how we're going to do it. Here's how it's going to show up in the world. This is what the creative looks like. Here's how we're going to invite people. Here's what we're not going to do. Certainly there were lots of conversations at that point, but not really with the board. Um, you know, the board of directors, um, their job is to, um, they have many jobs and, and one of them is just to assess, you know, are we reacting in the interest of the membership base, broadly speaking. And I think they felt very clearly that um, there was a decent team on the executive side of of REI that understood what we were trying to achieve. And they gave us a lot of latitude to go and um, build it as we saw fit.
0: That's fantastic. Um, Can you talk about, you're now you've been three years in, and the first year it got, it was massive. It was everywhere. Um, And you won, you know, platinum at, at 10 just incredible but you know you didn't want it to be a flash in the pan how did he did it evolve and this is really important when you go from a brilliant idea to really embedding it long term into the culture so can you share with our listeners what what did you do in year two what did you do in year three how do you get the engagement
2: you're asking a question there that prompts me to you know go to I'm trying to sort of draw on the memories of our afterwards and it doesn't happen very often in your career that you know you've got you got so much positive feedback on an, an action like this if you're interested in social impact that you almost kind of can't count the number of stories that are written about the impact of it and at some point in year one yeah you know, i personally became fairly embarrassed by that you know you have uh, it was so much positivity we really didn't know what to do with it and my, my anxiety moving into december you know, as, the, as we knew that it had hit hard, was that people were going to expect us to, um, you know, one-up it, that we were going to try and add more sizzle, that we were going to commercialize it. And I immediately knew that that would be a disastrous, um, and several people, not just obviously myself, several people, we knew we wanted to protect the integrity of Opt Outside as a business choice, uh, not as a branding. Engaged- Engagement campaign from. I remember it distinctly as we moved into the Christmas period, into the holiday after after Black Friday. So we were very careful about that. As we approached year two, we decided to to, um, embrace the 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 component of Opt Outside that was written about a little bit, but not that much. That we felt was was a special part of it. And in year one, we we basically gave Opt Outside to the community. Um, We said to various groups who wanted to take part. Yeah, here's the, you know, here's the logo, here's the hashtag, here are the assets, use it. And most companies try to control those things very, very carefully. And we decided to go completely in the opposite direction. So in year two, we decided to turn Opt Outside into a platform for nonprofits. So REI invest about 70% of our profits annually back in the outdoor community. And one portion of that is in nonprofit groups. And one of my frustrations in life um, in on the brand and communications and public affairs side but previously, um, was that it's terribly difficult for nonprofits or organizations that are doing positive things to tell their stories. Journalists don't write about them as much as they do negative stuff. It's very frustrating. And we thought that, well, with our 17 million person community, maybe we can shine a bright light on the work of the people in the community who are changing the communities we live in, the people who are cutting trail, who are negotiating easements, who are investing in our national parks, who are getting young people into the outdoors, who are helping create access. So for various in various ways, we sort of devolved opt to outside to the nonprofit community um, and those who were taking part in it and it really, really worked. And then in year three, we did the same except down to the member level. And you'll see from the creative as it evolved over um, the three years, um, that we increasingly have featured the participants of Opt Outside. What we're trying to do is not tell the story of REI, but tell the story of life outdoors. We're trying to shine a bright light on the choices that people make to be in the outdoors, to enjoy being with family and friends instead of the alternative.
1: And you can see how it also echoes into what, what I think is a new campaign. Uh, I'm just seeing it in the last couple of weeks. I got an email, in fact, this morning uh for REI promoting uh the purchase of you know, gently used materials uh you know, products that have already been sold and and i i know that you know others in the outdoor industry have been pushing that message for a long time but i'm i'm first starting to see it now coming from you guys Does that attach to the core in in some way you can describe
2: yeah yes it is and chris what you're talking about um, now and for those who are listening at the beginning of i'm trying to think was it the beginning of this this year it may have been a bit before, we launched something called Used Gear Beta, or beta, I guess, as we say in the US. And this is a digital platform that enables REI members and REI customers to to buy gently used gear at a more affordable price. And this, of course, has multiple benefits. One, it means that it keeps gear and apparel out of landfill. And secondly, it creates access to something that, REI members have enjoyed um, for many years physically in our stores, which are called garage garage sales. So you can come and you can get really really good value um, stuff that's been returned. Use Gear Beta also gives you the opportunity to bring your stuff back to REI, right? And um, we launched it as a pilot. And I'm having a blank exactly when we did it, but it's in the last certainly in the last year. And we have um, seen such a good response from our membership base that um, you're starting to see increased communication about that. And it is true that used gear as a, as an offering to our membership base has a, has a great sustainability story to, to sort of attach to it. And it's a way that we can think differently about how we do business um, as a retailer. Um, it is attached to the core idea that underpins opt outside. And I'll just pause on that for a second. So when Carol was asking about the foundation of REI, you know, Mary and Lloyd Anderson, we talk about REI as uh, a co-op being organized around one single idea, that a life outdoors is a life well lived. And we see our role as a co-op to act in the interests of people who share that belief. And you can see how that is so obvious in opt outside where we're choosing not to shop and instead we're choosing to go outside. Used gear is a way that we're inventing new models of doing business that can um, shift the system. And what we mean by shift the system is, you know, model different ways to think about uh, traditional commercial practice. And if we can do that effectively, we hope that other organisations will experiment in similar ways and that the the end outcome whether it's on a one or a 100 year time frame will be that new models of, of serving communities but also the things that those communities believe in will emerge and that over time we therefore can help business think differently about its role in society
0: so alex we're, we're approaching the, the bottom of this podcast but there's so much more to explore we definitely would love to invite you to come back to expand on all the many facets of your product sustainability and how you're making it easy for consumers to make choices in in closing today can you leave five key insights Two listeners who are on a journey to take their social purpose and move it closer to the center of their business. Um, They're probably not as fortunate to have, um, to be in a situation as is REI. But what are the five key insights? And you probably have about 25, but let's start with five where you're talking to a colleague and you say, you know, here are five key things you really must you know keep in your heart, keep in your business head um, as you keep moving on a purpose journey.
2: I, I can try. The first that jumps to mind gets to the gets to the um, genesis of opt outside. My opinion, and it's an opinion of one, is that the idea of opt outside existed in the co-op for many years before we surfaced it and acted on it. So point one would be listen really really carefully to your organization ask open-ended questions and don't be scared of what comes back listening is uh, a difficult practice to do in a world of infinite content and demand for us all to say lots of things uh, but um, i think listening was the practice that helped us identify the spirit of an idea that most likely had lived in our stores for a long long time so find ways to listen differently. Um, two. I do think, having consulted with lots of large companies and small companies over the years, and, and helped them develop their stories, that all the worst stories that I've tried to crystallise for a com- for companies and the ones that didn't hold um, are the ones that we thought the company had, and the best were those that simply existed. So, the second is you know embrace the heritage of your organisation, and if. People don't know what the heritage of your organization is. It probably means that you haven't explored it deeply enough and asked, you know, asked deep enough questions because I don't think it's possible to invent a purpose. The purpose simply exists. The question is whether you can surface it. Um, I think the third, you know, get, get to the employee. You have to act in the interest of the community that's closest in. It's going to vary company to company, but I'm a very strong proponent of employee first action an employee first brand, very strong proponent. I think the fourth is be willing to have people completely challenge what you thought was right. And I go back to that story about Jerry telling me, listen, don't measure this stuff. You know, it was a fairly humbling experience to be part of Opt Outside in the first place. Um, I felt like I went to the sort of edges of my comfort zone and, and back again multiple times. And we got so many things wrong, but so many things right. And um, part of the most of the right things came from places that I didn't expect and so you really have to just trust as you go into a process like that that other people can have um that other people are going to have really good insight and then five try something just get on with it (laughs) you know you've got to have a go uh try something and you will fail and we have failed on a number of different fronts but failing can be pretty fun as long as there are people around you who are willing to give you permission to do that so you know that that hackneyed phrase of fail fast and um, fail again.
0: And and in closing, do you have, it's probably not one, but do you have one of your key stories about Opt Outside that um, you love to retell many, many times? Oh,
2: man, there are so many. I
0: mean, I, the, what, <laughs> the year afterwards, a couple got married
2: on Opt Outside Day you know, <laughs> who met previously the year before. Um, there's another story. About a person in our employee community who had broken their back, and um, you know, and then made it their goal to go and I think it was climb. It was either climb a peak or, or run a trail the year afterwards, and they recovered, dropped outside. The thing that sticks the most to me, though, and this is just the case for anybody, is you remember what you've seen. And I remember when when we announced to our store managers about. 150 of our store managers in a room of about 300, four weeks before launch, that we were going to shut down on Black Friday, and in full transparency, I haven't spent my whole career in retail. Um, you know, I'm relatively new to retail, and the outpouring of of emotion that came from people who are running stores, who are, and those stores are supporting people on all sorts of different parts of their journey from a life and career standpoint and seeing the outpouring of emotion will i I don't think i will ever forget that and to the earlier question i didn't i think it's fair to say i didn't fully appreciate the the importance of allowing people to be with family and friends and that is why interestingly uh, we made a fairly significant pivot of our message right before launch Mm. um
0: how did you keep it a secret if you shared it a month ahead that's like You know, in this world where everything leaks in one minute, how did did you keep it a secret?
2: We just trusted people. I mean, that's why I was so damn nervous for four weeks leading up, frankly. Um, But I'm just like, it was incredible. I can't believe they they held to it. And I think that's because 80 years of co-op had come before us you know people just love the co-op and they didn't want to ruin something that that had the potential to be pretty special
0: and they understood it which is fantastic you use the word love a number of times and i think that that's a great way to end this first conversation with alex thompson um, you know, love is usually not talked about in the business world, but I believe that in social purpose, uh, when you get to the soul of a company, that love is something that is welcomed in, in the discussion and in actions and behaviors. Um, Chris, I want to give it to you for the, for the last uh, question or comment, and then we're going to let Alex go, but we're definitely going to bring him back.
1: You know, if we just have a few more minutes, and I, I get that we might have more time later, and I'm very grateful for what you've spent so far, Alex. I'd love to talk about. We, we've talked about the the culture as it existed, the culture that's transformed into what you've got today, and and I know you spend a lot of time talking and thinking about the path ahead. If you if you could just tell us a little bit about uh, some of the things you think are next in this this journey that you're on with REI. Yeah,
2: I can I can try the. Chris is referring to a document that we published that you can read and download. It's called The Path Ahead, and it's on the REI blog. So if you pop in REI, The Path Ahead, to your search engine, you'll find it pretty quickly. And The Path Ahead articulates, um, it brings together thinking into nine themes. And each theme presents a choice. Um, And the choice is what will happen if we choose to do nothing? or what will happen if we choose to imagine a future that is uh, better. And we juxtapose these choices uh, with one another. So um, one of them is um, the idea of a lost generation, that we risk losing children or children losing the outdoors as part of their lives. Um, And we juxtapose that with, as we describe it, a beautiful possibility. What what, What would it mean if... Um, instead we had, um, free range children or free range humans. I can't remember if those are two exact, um, pieces, but the idea of the path ahead is to present macro themes that are affecting the future of life outdoors and to broaden our thinking. And I'm, I'm personally somebody who is always, always, always interested in asking the question, well, what is the role of an organization in the context of, you know, culture today um the macroeconomic and socioeconomic pressures and this gets back to my 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 own personal kind of interests and um and the early part of my career which was very focused on public affairs government relations and so on like how can you put policies in place that will benefit people over time so the path ahead serves for rei as a way to talk about our organizing concern which is that human beings have been on a long march indoors over hundreds if not thousands of years, and that we have become unknowingly an indoors species. The implications of that are huge, and the path ahead articulates lots of different ways in which we could continue to become an indoor species, or if we chose uh, the other direction, how we might embrace life outdoors. And it's a it's a framework for us rather than a rather than the answer. And we use it to ask ourselves tough questions. What should REI be doing Mm. that could uh, influence any one of those themes?
0: It's it's very much like IBM asking, you know, what would it like to build a smarter city? Um, Or CBS saying, you know, what's it like to be a health organization versus just a pharmacy or convenience store?
2: Exactly. We're thinking about what the world can look like if we, if, we choose, if we chose to design it around our purpose, around our passion for a life outdoor. These are the, some of the things that we would need to be considering very seriously. And I know that people on the phone, uh, sorry, who are listening to the podcast will be in their own organizations able to affect some of those themes. And one of the core ideas of, of our thinking, of our impact strategy here at REI is that we can't go alone. We absolutely have to do things in partnership with, with organizations that are expert in other areas. So we're hoping that people will read it and think, oh, I can help. I can help tackle that. You know, the REI co-op, large though we are as a consumer cooperative, we are tiny compared to big multinationals and, um, and government organizations. So partnership is, is going to be a big part of how we tackle some of them.
0: Well, think if the food companies partner with you or healthcare companies partner with you. Exactly. And and they just see the vastness of the opportunity, which is why you go to your center, your journey to your core. And when you get that totally authentic and right, and then you empower your employees, think of the exponential um, impact and energy that's unleashed and where you can go with it. So it sounds like at your hundredth, you'll be able to continue to move forward and then your 150th and 200th. So- we're, we're very thrilled. We're pleased that you gave us the tease on this, Alex, because if you're open to coming back, we'll have you back because we'd love to dive in into that deeper and some other issues. And so we hope you will join us again soon.
2: If, if people think this was a coherent podcast, and, and if they say yes, then then... <laughs>
0: Oh, and I'm sure if bella. that was our standard, Alex, we would never record a thing oh no, no, you're, you're I think that, uh <laughs> you know it it's so many people talk of and we know all love Unilever and Starbucks and such. I think that opt outside is terrific, and again, many potential you know clients have come to us and said, "I wanna to opt outside um they they don't know how all the elements behind it, and I think you've shared them with, with us. But you should be, and you know you are growing to be. And I know you're very humble, which is which is part of um, the brilliance of REI and the truth of REI. But uh, we certainly will promote you in that uh, stratosphere of Unilever, Starbucks, and others because you deserve it. Well, uh, yeah, Uh, yes,
1: yes, yes, and even more so uh, when when we started talking about this podcast, Purpose Three Hundred and Sixty, we talked about it being an in depth look at how brands are putting purpose at the center. And we even talked about the, the you know, in theory, the way these interviews will go is that we'll identify, you know, places where you're dissatisfied and want to grow more. And, and I'm sure those are there, and I'd love to ask you about them at a different time, but rarely in just kind of our, our thought experiment who we'd like to talk to, have we come upon a company that's really putting it at the center so so visibly and so strongly. And it's just, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Alex. Thank you so much. So it's
0: great to have you, Alex. And I want to end on a comment. You said that you made business choices versus brand choices. And I think that that's the power of social impact today. When you bring the two together in an authentic way with employee choice and guidance, the sky's the limit. Or perhaps we should say the outdoors is infinite. (laughs) There you go. You're absolutely spot on, Carol. So thank you so much. We are definitely going to have you back. I know we're going to have a great response. And thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Alex. Take care.